Okay, so um, tonight what I think we're going to do is, what we're going to do is we're going to discuss a, uh, an interesting Shaila, which, uh, which I saw, which uh, it's interesting because it highlights the necessity to go ahead and make sure that uh, in a certain sense, you keep your eye on the ball, that uh, you make sure that you're focused on what exactly happened in the story, who interacted with who in what way, and then, um, and then uh, from that, making then uh, uh, figuring out what the halacha is going to be. But a major part that we've talked about many times over the years is that a major part of uh, of Chosha Mishpat is figuring out is is identifying what exactly is the shaila. That sometimes is a difficult part. And even within a shaila, there could be multiple shailas and multiple different uh, perspectives and different uh, angles, which are important to uh, to also keep in mind. So here for this one, we are going to, it's on the screen in front of you, bakery driver who stole bread? Yes. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Okay, so we're going to read the whole story in terms of the, uh, the Shaila, and then after we read the, uh, the story together, so then we'll go through the, uh, the analysis and making sure, so there's not going to be as many Mara Makomas, as many sources this week, uh, because much of what we're going to have to do is going to be a, a discussion about the, uh, the sources. Okay. But this is taken from Mishpatei HaTorah. He's the Dayan in Yerushalayim, and he's published uh, many different uh, volumes of, uh, of collections of Shailas, as well as commentary to Bab Metziah in Baba Kamu with a very uh, Halacha Lamaisa orientation. So he tells over the following. He says, and we're starting from the beginning over there. He says, Baal Mafia Gedola. So you have the owner of a large bakery, and he makes an agreement with a, a grocer, a local grocer in a particular neighborhood. He's going to deliver, he's going to supply this makolet owner, this grocer with 200 loaves of bread a day. Okay. And you have the delivery driver of the bakery. And every morning, early in the morning, before the makolet even opens up, he goes out and puts down a telachamim basara argazim. He goes out and puts 10, I don't know, we'll call it 10 containers, 10, uh, 10 boxes. Uh, and he puts it into a closed and uh, secure place right next to the bakery. And that's the agreement. 200 loaves are delivered a day driver goes out and puts them into a secure location so that nothing goes ahead, uh, nothing gets them, and everybody's uh, thrilled to pieces. Now, the boxes are designed to hold, each one of the boxes is designed to hold 20 loaves. So 10 boxes, 20 loaves, 200 loaves a day. That's what we said was the agreement. Ella, now, so far, so good. Ella, this is where things turn bad on us. This driver went ahead and would steal one loaf per box and uh, from right, each box. And he would go ahead and he would leave the loaf which he stole in the corner of the truck. It didn't actually deliver them. So rather than so what happened is so it turns out that rather than deliver the driver, rather than delivering 200 loaves a day, he was delivering only 190 loaves per day. 
and then the ten loaves a day which he stole. So what did he do with them? He would go ahead and sell it to other stores for a cheaper price. And he went ahead and the money which he uh, received for that, so he went ahead and uh, uh, put it in his own pocket. His next word should not really be there. So he says, so that's what he was doing. So he was skimming off the top in a sense, stealing 10 loaves a day, selling them on his own, and he was pocketing that money for himself. And Kamoke, he so similarly, he now the same driver at the end of the week, part of his responsibility was his other job was to collect at the end of the week six days six days worth of 200 loaves from the makolet owner from the grocer. And that's what he did. And at the end of the week, he would go ahead and would take that money which he collected from the grocer and he would give it to the baker. So the grocer thinks he's getting 200 loaves a week. He's paying for 200 loaves a week. The 200 loaves, the, the, the cost, the 200 loaves a week, the driver is taking from the makolet owner, from the grocer, and he's delivering it to the baker. So, so far, nobody realizes anything is amiss. The grocer's get, the, the baker's getting all the money he's expecting. As far as the makolet owner is concerned, he thinks that he's getting 200 loaves rather than the 190, which, he's, which he actually is receiving. But he's paying for the 200 loaves, which he assumes that he's getting. Okay, so this went on for a while. Kavur chamisha chodashim. So this went on for about five months. And after that time, So the Makolor owner becomes suspicious that, he, that maybe he's not receiving all the loaves that he's paying for. Somehow we always, you know, he's anticipating that there's a, that he'll be able to supply more loaves with his customers. And at the end of the day, he's running out of bread. So he decides to go ahead and start counting the loaves which are coming in each one of the boxes. So again, it's supposed to be 10 boxes, 20 loaves each. And he starts counting how many loaves are in the boxes. And he realizes after a couple of days that he's consistently, each one of the boxes is short one loaf. So what does he do? What does Makola do? So immediately calls the bakery owner to bring him up to date on what's going on, saying, listen, there's some the discrepancy which is going on over here because I'm paying for 20 loaves per box. And it turns out that now that I'm paying attention and I'm looking, I'm only receiving 19 loaves per box. What's, go, what, what, what's going on? What's the story? Now, so what happened? So as soon as the driver become, realizes they are, they're on to him, that they realize that he's been stealing a loaf a day, uh, a loaf per box, Per day, so 10 loaves per day, every day of the week for five months. That's a lot of bread, both literally and figuratively. So so he disappears, falls off the face of the earth. And he disappears with all the money. And nobody could get a hold of him. Nobody could get in touch with him. Nobody knows where he is and what's going on with him. And okay, that's the story. So now what happens? So now the people left to pick up the pieces obviously are the baker and the grocery owner. The baker is, uh, he's been paid in full 
for all of the loaves, but it turns out he didn't deliver all of the loaves that she was supposed to. He was, uh, it was uh, t- uh, 10 loaves short per day. And now, so what happens? And the grocer, he's furious because he's been paying for 200 loaves all this time. And meanwhile, he's only beginning 190 per day. He's only beginning 95% of his order, even though he's paid for 100% of the order. So how, 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 do they, how do they know at what point the uh, shortage started? They, you know, he, he's been getting bread for five months. He knows that the last few days he wasn't getting any, uh, wasn't getting enough. But it seems like there's no way to prove for how long the theft was going on. Uh, let, let's assume that the Makolet had a barcode system uh, and they were, he was able to go back into the computer and count up how many loaves are being sold. And uh, he was consistently selling 190 rather than 200. Something like that. Let's just let, 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 let's assume for argument's sake. You, you're, you're correct, Art, that in the event that there was now a question about how long this happened, so then that would make it more difficult for the grocer. Well, let's assume that uh, that everybody agrees that this is what happened and for the duration of time that it happened. And it's scanned at checkout and they can look back through the checkout data. What? It's scanned at the checkout every time a loaf uh, was checked out. Right. They can go back and look at the cash register data and see the quantity of bread that was checked out uh, forever. Right, so that assumes that he actually sold out all the bread every day. Right, if at the end of the, if, if one day he's only selling 175 anyways, so they, they might not be able to tell that they were actually short 10 that day because they only sold 175 and whatever they do with the extra bread. But let's assume he sold out every day and he, he was able to go back and able to, uh, to make that uh, determination. So now what happens now? So the two people left, uh, uh, trying to uh, um, unravel all this are the grocer and the uh, and the baker. So So now the grocer says to the baker, listen, says, listen, you owe me a thousand shekel for the the uh, the bread which I paid for, which was never delivered. So being that you went ahead and you accepted payment from me for bread, which ultimately was not delivered. I'm not blaming you, but I'm saying, Lemaisa, I paid for merchandise, which I never received. I want a refund. I want that money back. So that sounds like a good taina. Sounds like a good claim from the, uh, the grocer. Ulam bal mafia, meshivlo. The baker goes ahead and responds to him. And he says, well, not so fast. He says, listen, I'm not stuck holding the bag over here because you were negligent by not for all that for five months, you didn't bother counting how many loaves you were receiving. We could have taken care of this five months ago had you been responsible and counted the loaves as they were, as, as you received them and you didn't bother to do so. So you're the guilty party. And on top of that, and the, the baker says to the grocer, you know perfectly well that once I put the bread on the truck, I have no way of being able to determine how many loaves are actually being delivered to you. I'm not in your store. I'm not in your makola. So you have to, it's your responsibility to go ahead and do that, uh, you know, take inventory each and every day to make sure you're getting the right amount. I can tell you for sure that each box is packed with 20 loaves each, because we don't just deliver it to you, we deliver it to, you know, tens of makolis, makolitiot, I don't know how to pluralize that. Many grocery stores. Makolot. What? what makolot. Makolot. 
I delivered to tens of makalot around Yerushalayim, and, and, and they all get, all of them are packed with the, their space for exactly 20, and we fill up each box in the, in the bakery. So I know for sure when I put it into the box, there's 20 loaves each. And therefore, the baker says to the grocer, being that we never spoke about this in the first place, we never made up that you were going to count the loaves each and every morning. So I grant you that. But since I have no way of being able to count how many loaves you receive, I was relying on you to be responsible to make sure that you're receiving the correct amount. And if you didn't receive the correct amount, you'd alert me right away. The fact that you didn't bother to count for five months, that's not my problem, that's your problem. Too bad, so sad. And if you did not go ahead and do this, so is the Hebrew translation of too bad, so sad. Not literally, but figuratively. It means that yeah, this was your loss because you didn't bother to count. And if you didn't bother to count, don't come crying to me later on saying, Oy vey, I was, uh, I'm out a thousand shekel because I didn't get loaves delivered to me. That was, you should have been counting five months of not counting uh, what the, what's being delivered to you. That's grossly negligent on your part. And I don't have to pay for your laziness and your negligence. So, Mahadin. So what exactly is going to be the halach over here in this disagreement between the baker and the grocer? And now the shaila is going to be, uh, does the, does the uh, baker have an obligation to go ahead and refund 10,000 shkalim, I said 1,000 before, it's really 10,000. Does he have an obligation to refund 10,000 shkalim to the grocer for the loaves, which ultimately were not, uh, that the, the grocer never received or not? Okay, so that is the, uh, the shaila as, uh, as presented. So now he says, so what's the answer? Uh, we'll see just quickly how the author, the Mishpatei Torah, answers the shaila, and then we'll discuss the uh, outside, uh, a lot of the analysis. So he says, Tshuva, uh, the answer is, Baal mafia tzodek betanato. So he says, the baker is actually correct in his claim. Klapi balamakolet, as far as the, the, the claim for 10,000 shekel that the grocer is making against him. Why? It was indeed the grocer's responsibility to count how many loaves are dropped off. And he should have counted each and every morning to make sure that he's getting the right amount of merchandise. Now, that happens to be true, but just because the baker is correct as far as that expectation is concerned doesn't necessarily mean that the baker is off the hook. Because as far as the financial claim that the grocer has against the baker, so here he says a fascinating thing. He says, so it appears, in my opinion, says the, the Mishpatea Torah, that the matter depends on how the baker was paid. What does that mean? So he says, In the event that the grocer paid the baker with a check, meaning when the driver would show up on Friday, so the grocer would go ahead and give a check to the, uh, to the driver, who then gave it to the baker, or in the event that they went, the, the, uh, the driver went around and had a credit card processor with him, and he went ahead and took a credit card from the grocer 
and the grocer paid the, the baker directly via credit card. So then in either one of those two cases, the main thing is, is that the money went directly from the grocer to the baker. Then So then the grocer would win the Din Torah and we would say to the baker, listen, he paid you 10,000 shkalim for merchandise, which he never received. And therefore, you have no right to go ahead and keep that money, even though you're correct that he was negligent in not counting the loaves, which are dropped off each and every morning. But it, that doesn't make a difference. The bottom line is, is that you received money for merchandise, which you didn't receive, and therefore you have to refund it. But Ulam, in Balamakola Chilem Lenahag of Mizuman, let's say when the driver went to the grocer on Friday to collect payment, so the grocer went ahead and paid him in cash, then then we're going to say the grocer loses out and he's not going to be able to recover his 10,000 shkalim. So he says that the halacha is going to depend on whether or not the grocer paid in cash, gave the driver cash, and then the, uh, the driver went ahead and took that cash and gave it to the baker, or whether or not the grocer went ahead and gave a check or used a credit card to pay for the merchandise, in which case then the baker is going to have to go ahead and refund those 10,000 shkala. Now, why does halacha depend on how the grocer went ahead and paid his bill? So now we take a step back and we say that, uh, so we, we have to trace. So there's two things as we're going to see, there's two things which we need to trace over here. So think, uh, the, and they are, there's actually, there's potentially two different thefts which are taking place. So now clearly, when the grocer goes ahead and orders 200 loaves a day, so he doesn't make a Kenyan on those loaves until they're actually dropped off in the store. So when they're dropped off in the store by him, and he goes ahead and takes them out of that secure location, it's at that point that he now becomes the owner of those loaves. But while the loaves are in the delivery truck, and they're being delivered from the bakery to the, uh, to the grocer, so at that time, those loaves still belong to the baker. So when the driver goes into the back of the truck, pulls into an alley, a dark alley somewhere early in the morning, and he goes ahead and he takes out of each one of the boxes one loaf and puts it into the corner of the, in the truck and doesn't deliver that. So those loaves are being stolen, not from the grocer. Those loaves are actually being stolen from the baker because they weren't the grocers yet, since the grocer didn't make a Kenyan on it yet. So though that, that part of the theft, that part of the equation is a theft which is, which is taking place by the driver and the victim of that theft, the owner of the merchandise which is being stolen. So that is the baker. So now that is number one. So that's point number one. And I don't think anybody's going to disagree about, the, about that. So that's, that's very clear. Now, the next thing is, is what about the money that the, uh, the driver receives for those stolen loaves. So the money, so, um, uh, right. So in the, in the second scenario where the Makolet owner went ahead and paid cash. So what happens is, is that if the Makolet goes ahead and gives, I don't know, let's say uh, um, uh, uh, 1,500 shekel, for the loaves for the, uh, for, the, for the week, for the 200 times six, so the 1,200 loaves, which were dropped off in his store for the, uh, for the week. So that money obviously belongs to the baker. So the, the truck driver was a shliach to pick up the, the baker's money. 
and that that money actually belongs to him. So then, if he goes ahead and he starts, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't mean that. The when the driver went ahead and then took those ten loaves per day and sold it to somebody else, sold it to another store for a cheaper price. So all that money which he received for the uh, for the stolen merchandise, so that really belongs to the baker. Those are his loaves, which are stolen. And the money which is earned off of those stolen loaves, that really belongs to the, uh, to the baker. And therefore, that money which the, uh, the, uh, the driver is, is taking for the stolen loaves, so that money is clearly being stolen also from the baker because uh, the, uh, the truck driver has no right to go ahead and earn money by selling the uh, baker's loaves. And that money, that money would clearly be stolen from the uh, from the baker, and that also has nothing to do with uh, there's uh, being that the uh, the the ganav is missing, so there's nothing that the baker is going to be able to do to recover that either. Um, right. So those two things: the stolen loaves and the money which the driver collected for selling those stolen loaves. So that is a din Torah, which would have to take place between the baker and the driver. And being that the driver is the enenu, he's nowhere to be found. So the uh, the baker is going to be out that money. Didn't, now, uh, didn't the driver provide uh, every week, the, the baker, the money he collected, all the money he collected? He, provided, the he provided the money that, yeah, yes, excellency. If he provided, he, he gave the money which he received from the Makolet owner but not the money which he was stealing, which he was skimming off the top by selling the stolen loaves. So if, you, if he was expecting, let's say, 1,500 shkalim, so he did deliver the 1,500 shkalim, but at the same time, he was pocketing 200 shkalim on the side for having stolen all of those loaves during the week. Over the course of the week, he stole 60 loaves, and he, whatever the math is going to be, and he was able to go ahead and make uh, extra money off of that. And that money which he made off of the stolen loaves, so that is uh, that for sure is belongs to the baker. That would be a din Torah between the uh, between the two of them. Now, um, now, uh, right. So now, uh, as he said, now what happens in the case where the gross? And now we get to the din Torah between the uh, the grocer and the baker over here. So now, if the grocer if the grocer paid by check or credit card, so he was paying for two hundred loaves a day, and being that he was paying for two hundred loaves a day, and he never received that merchandise, so it turns out that he was paying for something which he never received, and therefore that money he, the baker has no right to that money <coughs> because. There was a mistake on the grocer's part. The grocer made an error when he went ahead and he paid for merchandise which he did not receive. And being that he paid an error for merchandise which he did not receive, so that money is effectively an Aveda. It's effectively lost money. I mistakenly gave that to you when I wasn't really supposed to because I didn't receive any merchandise. I only received 95% of the merchandise rather than 100% of the merchandise. And being that I only received 95% of the merchandise, you, Mr. Baker, only had right to 95% of the money which I gave you. And now that I'm alerting you to that, the fact that I paid you 100% when I really only had to pay you 95%. So that 5% is lost money. And you have an obligation to go ahead and refund that to me. If you refuse to refund that to me, so that money is effectively stolen on your part. 
Like anytime, if I find, if, uh, if uh, Bob goes that and loses something, he loses his watch, and I find his watch, and I say, Bob, I found your watch. He says, great, could you return it to me? I say, no, actually, I'm going to keep it for myself. Too bad, so sad, and I'm not in the mood to go ahead and do Ashavaz Aveda. So by refusing to do Ashavaz Aveda, I'm effectively stealing from Bob because it's still his watch. He still has ownership over that watch. And if I refuse to return it to him, so that itself is an act of, uh, of Geneva. And therefore, um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, with the money which the baker received from the, uh, from the grocer directly, if he has even one penny more than he deserves because of the merchandise which is ultimately delivered, even though it's not his fault, but the fact that you have, that you were paid for merchandise which is never delivered, so that itself is stolen money, and that has to go ahead and be, uh, be refunded. But now we get to the claim on the part of the baker. So the baker hears that. He says, wait a minute over here. You're right. I received money for a merchandise which he never received, but it was the, his claim was that it's, it's you, the grocer's fault, because you didn't count the loaves every morning. And being that you didn't count the loaves every morning, you should go ahead, that, that, should, that should be your loss rather than mine. So now we have to see whether or not that is a valid claim. Can one say to the other party, since you should have checked to make sure that you received all of the merchandise which you ordered, and you didn't bother to do so, that now constant, that's now going to be your loss rather than mine. So believe it or not, we have precedent for this type of, we have what seems to be precedent for this type of halacha. And this is what you have in source two over here. This is in Chosha Mishpat Simon Reishlam and Beis Sit Yudches. So we really want the second half of the Mechaber, second half of Shulchan Aruch, but in order to uh, understand fully what that is, rather than explaining it outside, so we'll read the, his introductory remarks just to get the, uh, the full picture. So it says as follows. Hamocher So I go ahead and I sell to Mel a, a uh, merchandise which is defective, but it's not visibly defective. Internally, right? You sell a car during the, uh, the winter, and you have no way of knowing whether the air conditioning is working because you turn on the air conditioning and it's blowing cold air, believe it or not, because it's Chicago. So you don't know that it's defective until you get to, uh, till the, uh, to the, uh, the summer. And uh, uh, I shouldn't even say it like that. But I go ahead and I sell him something which has a faulty, I don't know, a faulty starter or a faulty something in there. And as a result of the, de- of the, the defect, which I sold to Mel, and I didn't bother to disclose, that caused the whole thing to fall apart and break. Whatever scenario we would, uh, we would come up with as far as that the air conditioning is not a good example of that. But I sold him something which had a hidden blemish, one which he couldn't discern from the outside. He thought that it would, did not have this defect. He used it, and as a result of the defect, it went ahead and it combusted and it blew up. So, what's the halacha? Harizim machzer sadamit. So I have an obligation to go ahead and refund Mel his money because it turns out I sold him a defective product and I had no right to, uh, to, uh, to sell him that defective product and keep the money for that. Mekachtos, classic Mekachtos. What's an example of this? I go ahead and I sell Mel a bull which doesn't have teeth. Perishinaim, that's what it says. So what's going to happen to a bull which doesn't have teeth? It can't eat. And if it can't eat, it's going to die. And Mel went ahead and took the bull, which, I, which he purchased from me, 
and he put it into the pen with the rest of his bulls. And what do the bulls do? They walk around all day and they eat and uh, they, they take care of themselves. I don't have to feed them because they figure it out on their own. Or I put out a trough, which I fill a trough with food and they all walk over and they eat from the trough. And I don't have to check and make sure that each one is eating. That's what bulls do. They're, they're not shy about eating. And you just put out food in front of all of them and they eat and everything is fine. Do I have an obligation to check that see that the animal is healthy? What? Don't I have an obligation to check and see that the animal is healthy? No, you don't have to check to make sure that it has teeth. Why would you think there's no teeth? Just a general check of the whole animal to make sure that everything is fine with the animal before I accept it. Okay, so, we're, we're, so hold on a minute. So the, the, the baseline assumption is, is that if you have a, 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 a what looks like a healthy ox, you, you as a customer have the right to assume that it has all of its organs and has all of its teeth and is capable of eating. And you didn't realize that the animal wasn't able to eat until it just died one day. And you went over and you looked at trying to figure out what happened. And you realize it doesn't have teeth. You'll open its mouth and there's no teeth. So that, you say, oh, that's why it died. Duh. So Mel goes out and takes the carcass of the dead animal, drops it on my lawn. And because I could sell the carcass and, and salvage some money from that, but that's my responsibility. But he drops off the carcass and what? And I have an obligation to go ahead and refund him his purchase price. And Shochanach says similar in any similar case, creative case that you're going to come up with is going to be subject to the same halach. Now, this is the part that we need. Let's say uh, I am not somebody who raises cattle myself. I am a broker. So I go ahead and I hook up. Um, uh, Steve has a, uh, Steve Goldfarb has a, a bull farm in Minneapolis. And I go ahead and I broker for him uh, 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 cattle, which he raises. And I sell it to people who are interested in having it, uh, having it. So I brokered a deal between Steve and Mel for the sale of, a, uh, of this bull. And, skipping the parentheses, it just says I'm a broker. So my job as a broker is, I go ahead and I make a shidduch between Steve the seller, uh, uh, yeah, between Steve the seller and Mel the buyer. And even though I buy it in between, I buy it from Steve and I give it to, to Mel, that's where I'm going to earn my commit. That's where I'm going to earn the profit on the arbitrage, where I buy it cheap and I'm able to sell it for more expensive. But I, it's like drop shipping. So I don't even bother to hold on to the shore, to hold on to the bull myself. I just have Steve deliver it directly to, uh, to Mel, puts a sense at UPS, and UPS drops off the bull by Mel's house. And therefore, I, the middleman, had no idea. I, I don't even see the animal to know whether it has all of its teeth or not. So then, so now the same the same scenario unfolds though. So I bought the bull from Steve. I delivered. I had it delivered to Mel, and then it dies because it doesn't have any teeth. So Mel calls me up and says, "Shaffle, you sold me a bull that doesn't have any teeth. I want a refund." So I said, listen, I'm just a middle guy. I, I, I never had physical possession of the, the shore. I never did an examination of that. I'm not responsible for those blemishes. The, uh, I take a shavua saying that I never saw the animal and there was no way I could have examined the animal. The apater, and I'm off the hook. So even though Lemaisa, I am the seller of record of this bull to Mel, still I'm not going to be responsible for it when it turns out that I sold him a defective bull 
which doesn't have any teeth. Why? Because Mel knew perfectly well that I'm a broker. So when you buy something from a broker, you buy an animal from a broker, so it's your responsibility to make sure that it's going to be healthy. This is where what you said, Mel, comes up, that you should have gone ahead as soon as it was delivered to you, you should have checked right away to make sure that it was healthy and that it was going to be able to survive in your pen by eating. And and in the event that you were to examine the animal right away, Mel, and you were to report to me, hey, you sold me a defective bull that doesn't have any teeth, I could then take the bull and return it to Steve and say, hey, Steve, you tried to pull a fast one on us over here. You sold us a bull that doesn't have any teeth. And when does the Kenyan get... take place? What? When does the Kenyan take place? Which Kenyan? Yours or mine? Uh, when the broker gives me the bull, when does the Kenyan take place? When you pull the bull. Mishicha. I assume you're not lifting up the bull. You're not going to do Hagba. So, you, you, you're going to pull it by the leash. So you did that when it was dropped off by, on your front lawn. UPS doesn't put it into the pen. They just drop it off by the front lawn. So at that point, you pull it into your backyard, close the fence behind it. So now you made a Kenyan. So hold okay. What? Okay. And so therefore, when you knew that I as a middleman never saw the animal and can't be held accountable for the health of the animal, so you should have expected, you knew that you should have examined the animal to make sure that it's healthy. And here we have this halacha, being that you did not, that you, Mel, did not behave responsibly in this transaction, so it's your loss. Don't come crying to me now because you didn't behave responsibly. And therefore... One more question. Yeah, I can't examine the animal until I pull it into my pen, and then right. a Kenyan is made. How do right. I return the animal once a Kenyan is made? Because it turns out that the Kenyan is made under false pretenses, because I sold you a defective animal. Every Mecca, every Mecca toast, every time a customer goes back to the merchant and says, hey, you sold me defective merchandise, that's after the Kenyan was made. In the case of the car, which I said, where I sell you a car in the wintertime, um, uh, and you don't realize that the air conditioning isn't working. And then you get to that first hot day in the summer, it goes from 30 degrees suddenly to 70 degrees within a span of a couple of hours. And everybody's uh, schwitzing bullets because it's 70 degrees outside. And you turn on the air conditioning and you find out that the air conditioning isn't working and it never worked. So then you call me up and say, hey, Shaffle, six months ago in the middle of winter, you sold me a car that doesn't have air conditioning. It's a Mechachtos. I want my money back. And Halacha says, I would have to refund you your money because it was a Mechachtos even though you've been driving it for six months. So this is Shulchan Aruch's position. So Shulchan Aruch says that once I go ahead and I, when you knew that I was a broker and I'm not, and I, I can't, I myself cannot uh, assure that the animal is not defective and has all of its teeth. So you should have known better. And if you didn't bother to check on your own, that's too bad, so sad on you. And don't come crying to me now claiming that it was a defective. But, says the Ramah, There are those who disagree and say, no, I, the broker, the middleman, the one who bought it from Steve and sold it to Mel, I am responsible. Why? Even though I was ripped off because Steve sold me the defective bull, still, that doesn't give me license to go, even unknowingly, to go ahead and sell to Mel this defective bull. 
אין והוא הדין בכל כיוצר בזה, and this opinion, the tour and the rush, they say the same is true of any similar case, the K nearly Iker in the Ramah says, I think that this opinion is correct. So now we have a major machlokas over here between the Mechaber and the Ramah, whether or not uh, Mel is going to, whether or not I have an obligation to refund Mel because I sold him a bull without teeth, or do I not have an obligation to refund Mel because he should have examined the animal as soon as it was delivered, and if he didn't bother to do so, so too bad, so sad on him. So now, seemingly, we, we would say, as we apply this now to, uh, to our case of the baker and the grocer, so I, the baker, am going to say, listen, you should have uh, checked the box each and every morning to make sure that there were 20 loaves, because I, I can't check. What, what, all I could do is pack the boxes and, and set, put them on the truck to deliver them to you. I'm not there to make sure that when, by the time it's delivered, there are still 20 loaves per box. That's your responsibility, not mine. And therefore, according to Shulchan Aruch, I, the, uh, the, uh, the baker would say, I'm going to be exempt. According to the Ramah, he would say, no, you're still on the hook because the bottom line is you sold him, uh, you sold him bad. That you, you did not sell him everything that you said you're going to sell him. So it seemed to be we have a classic machlogos between the Mechaber and the Ramah, whether or not the baker is responsible. And as we all know, as experienced Choshimishma people, so we know that the baker is going to be able to say keenly, He's going to say, being that there's a machlokas about this, and you're demanding that I refund you money, I'm going to claim the halachas like Shulchan Aruch, which says, I don't have to refund you the money because you were negligent because you didn't bother to count the, uh, the loaves each and every morning. And too bad, so sad. I'm so sorry for your loss. I'll say a capital to Hillam for you, but I don't owe you any money what, uh, whatsoever. So that seemingly is what we would say based on this. And the Nesiva says, the, the Nesiva explains the idea is, that without, uh, just because of time, without going into all of the detail, he says that this is going to be equivalent to um, the rationale of Shulchan Arches. We'll just read the, uh, the opening line. He says, He says, it must be that the pshat in the Shulchan Arches halacha is, the chiyuvohu, the reason why the, uh, there's going to be an, ob- the reason why the uh, mel is going to suffer the loss, is being that I am a broker, I buy and sell merchandise without even uh, looking at it, without even holding on to it, taking physical possession of it. The and it's impossible for me to go ahead and examine the animal. It's comparable to me saying to Mel when I sold him the animal, zeal ayinbe. Yet it's your responsibility to examine the animal, give the animal a physical. In, to make sure that it has teeth and it's going to be able to eat as it's running around in your pen. And I, the middleman, I'm relying on you to go ahead and to do that, to, to, uh, to, uh, to examine the animal to make sure that it's going to have teeth. And if you don't bother to do so, so then that's, that's your loss. And he equates this with somebody. This is the case he says over here. He says, Im Cain, this is the, the oh, sorry. There's the Nesivus, Reish Shalom Abay, Sivkan Zion. It doesn't say it over there, but in the Biurim Zion, he says, So the Nesivus equates this with the case where I go to a money changer or uh, uh, I go to a currency exchange. It's probably more uh, the, the, really what they're referring to over there. And I show the currency exchange uh, fella a, uh, um, uh, a bill from some foreign currency. And I say to him, is this, is this uh, authentic or is this counterfeit? 
and he looks and examines and says, absolutely, this is as authentic as, the, as they come. So I take that authentic bill, I take it as payment for, uh, for something. And then it turns out that it was actually counterfeit, that the, the, uh, the, the currency exchange fellow made a mistake. So when the currency fellow makes a mistake in terms of his judgment or his analysis or his appraisal of something, so he's on the hook financially for that error. So says in his team, the same thing is going on over here. That when Mel knows perfectly well, I don't have the capacity to examine the animal. Therefore, it's as if I said to Mel, listen, you're going to have to go ahead and examine the animal to make sure that it's healthy and it's not the defective. And that's your responsibility rather than mine. And if Mel didn't bother to carry out that responsibility, if he didn't behave responsibly and didn't examine the animal, so that's his loss rather than mine, because it's clear that I don't have the capacity to go ahead and do so. So that would be the machlogus between the machabra and the Ramah. And seemingly we go ahead and we're going to say kimli, that I, that not I, that in the case of the baker and the grocer, the baker would have the ability to go ahead and say, I'm passing like Shulchan Aruch, and you can't force me to go ahead and refund you the 10,000 shekel because it was your negligence rather than mine. Seemingly that is going to be the precedent for our case over here. But the truth is, is that they're actually not similar. That our case of the baker and the grocer are fundamentally different than the case in Shulchan Aruch over there in Reish Lamed Beis of the broker who goes out and sells the uh, sells the uh, the bull to Mel. Why is that so? Because in the case of the uh, 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 in, in the case uh, Shulchan Aruch is referring to, so we made an actual Kenyan. So I sold the bull to Mel for five hundred dollars. He as he says as Mel said, he went ahead. He took it from his front lawn, pulled it by the leash into his backyard, into the fencing area of his backyard. So he made an actual Kenyan on the merchandise which was sold, the bull. And then we discover later that the merchandise was actually defective because it didn't have any teeth. So that, in, in such a case where everybody agrees that the, merchan- that the merchandise was delivered, the merchandise was paid for. But it turns out that it was defective. So then we have the machlogus between the machaber and the ramah, whether or not we could shift the negligence onto the, uh, uh, onto the customer because he should have examined the merchandise to make sure that it's intact or not. That's the machlokas between the machaber and the ramah over there. But over here in the case of the baker and the, uh, and the grocer, it's fundamentally different because everybody's in agreement. And that's why we have to say that, uh, Art, going back to your point uh, earlier, but everybody's in agreement that the merchandise ultimately was not delivered. It's not as if loaves were delivered and it turns out that they were moldy or they were, you, they were, uh, you couldn't go ahead and sell them. Over here, the problem is, is that merchandise was never sold. So being that merchandise was never sold, even if I should have gone ahead and counted how many loaves were in each box, that still doesn't give the baker the right or the ability to charge for merchandise which is never sold. In the case of Shulchan Aruch, merchandise was sold, it just turns out that it was defective. And the question is, who bears responsibility for not having discovered that defect? Is it the seller's responsibility, no matter what, because he sold defective merchandise? Or are there circumstances where we shift the blame onto the customer because he knew that the seller, his seller, could not have examined the animal, and therefore it's his responsibility to go ahead and make sure that the merchandise which he received was in fact not defective. But our case over here with the baker and the grocer, we're talking about where the merchandise was never delivered. So if merchandise was never delivered in the first place, how could anybody argue that I should be able to charge you for merchandise which was never delivered because you didn't bother to make sure that I, that I delivered to you all of the merchandise? 
even though that may be true, I still can't charge you for something which you never received. And therefore, the truth is that uh, that I, well, that's why in a case where uh, if the grocer paid by check or by credit card, so that's why it turns out that I took money from the, I, I'm just going to make myself into the baker over here. So it turns out that I took money for merchandise, which I never delivered through no fault of mine. But if I took money for merchandise, which I never delivered, which was never delivered to the customer. So I have no right to that money whatsoever. And I have to go ahead and I have to refund you the 10,000 shekel, which I took from you for merchandise, which was never delivered. But what happens when, now we remember, he had said back earlier in the piece, he said that if, however, the customer paid, the, the grocer paid with cash, then the grocer is going to be out of luck. So why does it change if the grocer paid with cash? He's going to be out of luck. So then what it turns out is, is that, and certainly the, the, the driver went ahead and he knew that he was delivering 190 loaves rather than 200 loaves each and every day. And when he went ahead and collected from the grocer cash for 100% of the merchandise, even though he was delivering only, uh, only 95% of the merchandise, so who was taking that money since the, the driver was the one who was taking the cash from the grocer? So it turns out that he was the one who was stealing money from the grocer. He should not have been collecting from the grocer 100% of the price. He should have only been collecting 95% because that's all that he was delivering. So when he went ahead and he told the, uh, the, uh, the grocer, I'm delivering you 200 loaves a day and therefore you have to pay for 200 loaves a day, even though he was only delivering 190 loaves a day. So it turns out that the driver was the one who was stealing cash from the grocer by charging him for all, all 200. And therefore, since if he was paying cash, it's not me who is the Ganav, I, the baker, but rather it's the driver who's the Ganav because he's collecting from him, literally he's taking from him cash for 200 loaves, even though he's only delivering 190 loaves. So in that case, the one who's stealing from the grocer is actually the driver rather than me. And being that he's the one who stole from the grocer rather than me. So in that case, then the, the Din Torah, the claim, that the, uh, that the grocer has for, uh, for having paid for 200 loaves and only received 190 loaves, that claim of theft is against the driver. And since the driver's not around, so too bad, so sad, you're not going to be able to recover your money. But that doesn't shift the blame over to me that I have to pay for money that the driver went ahead and stole from you. That was his theft. That was not my, that was not my theft. And therefore, in that case, where it was a, it was a collection of money, it's specifically there, we're going to say that the, it was the driver who stole rather than me collecting money, which was not, uh, which, uh, which uh, for merchandise, which was not delivered. And therefore, it was, uh, uh, what it turns out to be this act, what was going on, if we go ahead in, in this case of cash, so it turns out that what, what the driver was doing was he was stealing loaves of bread from me and he was stealing cash from the grocer. So he was, doing, he was doing two different acts of theft each and every day. And each of those acts of theft affected a different uh, party. And even though there's now this big mishmash of stuff which is going on uh, in all of that, but nonetheless, just because the, it turns out that the uh, driver went ahead and took money which he stole from you and gave it to me, he, he was supposed to go ahead and give that to me because 
really, he did end up selling 200 loaves, just 190 to this grocer and another 10 on the side. So he really owed me for all 200 loaves. So I had the right to take 100% of the money from him because that's how much was uh, supposed to be delivered for, uh, for my loaves. And the fact that he was stealing from you, so that is not going to be traced back to me and make me, the baker, responsible for the money which he stole from you. Yeah? Make sense? I hope. Oh, he's stunned in silence at the brilliance of it. <laughs> oh, we're all just muted. Wow. It's, it's still not clear to me the difference between the cash and the check. Uh, and the only thing was the possibility that the money doesn't go intact from the exact same uh, piece of currency goes from the, to the, from the store owner to the baker. If it's cash, it might be some of the cash from the other sales, just as long as it's the same amount of cash. That's the only difference I can see. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's, the, that's the difference. Oh, okay. the, difference the, the, the difference is whether or not the money's going straight from the grocer to me or whether there's that stopover by the, uh, by the truck driver. So if it's paid by cash or, or by credit card, so it goes directly from the grocer's no, account into my account. Without by a check or the credit card. By check or the credit card. Check or the credit card. Sorry, the check or the credit card. Yeah. So that goes directly from the grocer to me. Then the grocer can say, you have no right to go ahead and take money from me directly for merchandise which you didn't deliver. But if it's cash, it goes into the into the driver's pocket. And as long as the driver gives the, say, the equivalent amount of cash to the baker, it doesn't matter where the source is of that cash. Is that right. It? Okay. Right, because yeah. that, that, that's money which which he was supposed he was supposed to pay. Um, right. The way he, the way the, the way the Mishpatei uh, Hatora writes it is he says. Um, uh, he says, granted, the uh, the driver went ahead and he stole from me loaves. But he said, he says the grocer, the money, the cash, which you paid the driver, and which I did not receive from the driver. So that money, which you paid the driver, and then he did not deliver to me, or I didn't receive from him. So that is, uh, that's a, that is, uh, he stole from you. Kolomer, in other words, Nasata Kesavaganov, you gave money to a thief, Shabarach Imo, who ran away, who disappeared with the money, Sharima Oschag, because he went ahead and he deceived you. Because he told you he was giving you 200 loaves a day, and he was charging you for the 200 loaves a day, and he went ahead and he didn't deliver that. So he was collecting money from you for 200 loaves, which he had no right to collect. So that's theft that's happening from you. That's not my, I didn't steal from you. He stole from you. Even though I told you to pay to the driver at the end of the week, but that's only going to be true regarding the merchandise which you received from me um, for the 190 loaves which you, which you got. 
But when you went ahead and you paid for more loaves, so that was not the, that was not my doing. That was him going ahead and uh, and stealing from you, and. Uh, right. I only wanted you to pay for merchandise which you received. So if it turns out that you paid for merchandise which you did not receive, so I didn't tell you to go ahead and pay a ganav. I told you to pay for merchandise which was which was received. So the one who actually did the theft from you, that is the uh, that was the uh, the truck driver. And being that he's the one who stole from you, so he's the one who owes you the money for the merchandise that you did not receive, not uh, not me. I, I get that, but I don't understand. What I don't understand is why there's a different answer if the money is cash or if the money is check or bank or credit card. That's what I don't understand. Because no matter how he pays it. You, the, the baker still ends up with it, right? So the 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 driver was giving the ba- the the uh, baker the full amount. The only thing he was keeping was what he took, what he sold the extra ten loaves for. Um. If he gave him the cash in a sealed envelope, for example. And, it, and when he got to the baker, it was in the same sealed envelope. Just me or are you guys all confused too? No. <laughs> I, I agree with you, uh, Ellen. I, uh, what about the principle, Rabbi Shaffel, of what's the term, Shlucho Kagufo, that is his, um, his, age, his is like age, age is like him. And right. so once so, he does that, it seems like the total responsibility is on the baker. Right, except that regarding that principle, so we have the, the counter principle over here is Ein Shlech Vera. So once the truck driver decides he's going to start stealing, so then that can't be traced back to me. He's no longer my shliach to go ahead and do an aver. He's on his own. He becomes independent as far as the, as far as that is concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, he's saying that when you go ahead and you you gave cash, uh, the way he's, he seems to be differentiating is that if the uh, grocer pays by check. Or the co- grocer pays by uh, by credit card, so the the uh, the truck driver never had the money. It was never in the truck driver's possession. The, the actual he never had account. control of the money. Never had control over the money, so he never actually okay. stole it. In that case, he just delivered the money from uh, from the grocer to the baker. And in those cases, we could say that since you didn't have the right to, uh, since you you now got paid for merchandise that you never delivered, you have to go ahead and refund that. When there's cash in between, so the, the driver had control over that cash for a period of time, and therefore he uh, so he effectively uh, 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 stole it. So and then the, he, he may have passed it on to me, but he did that in order just to try keep and cover his tracks so that I shouldn't be suspicious. If I was getting paid only ninety five percent of the money each and every week, I would uh, realize very quickly that uh, that we're, we're, I'm not getting the money I'm anticipating, and then he'd be caught uh, quickly. 
So he could only pull this off because he was able to continue paying me the 100%. And that's why he was then able to pocket the money which he received for the 10 loaves that he stole and sold on his own uh, without me being suspicious because he was stealing from the, uh, the grocer that, uh, that, that amount all that time. Are you saying that he's a shaliach if it's a cash or credit, but he's not a shaliach if it's cash? If it's a if it's a check, check. Record, it's right. check, yeah, right. Well, it's it's not. You're you're correct. He, he's a to Bob's point. So he's actually not a shliach in that case. But nonetheless, since I deposited the check or I have the money in my account, I have to refund it. There, there, there's there's such a thing in halacha um, where it looks like somebody is a shliach. It looks like somebody is an agent. But what they're doing is merely a, what's referred to as, I think we've talked about this before, a Misa Kof Ba'alma. A person is just doing a monkey's job, meaning that there are times when all you need is just something to go from point A to point B, and you don't need all of the official and halachic parameters of shlichus, of agency, in order for that to be effective. All you need is for the thing to get from point A to point B. So, uh, you know, back in the day before they had, uh, uh, you know, automatic deposit. So you send the, your, uh, an employee a check in the mail. So a non-Jew technically can't be a shliach. So if he can't be a shliach, so that, does that mean that every employer didn't pay his employee because the person in the middle was a, was a shliach and it doesn't uh, qualify luckily as a shliach? So the answer is no, because in order to deliver a check, all you need is a maizakof ba'alma. You just need somebody who's going to take the envelope from point A to point B, and that's all that we really care about. So since anybody could go ahead and do that, it could even be a child for all, uh, for all, for all we care. So we don't need the, uh, the halach principles of agency. So over here, where the truck driver just took the check from the grocer and brought it to the baker, so all we need is for it to get to the baker. Then the baker deposits it. That where the, uh, that's where the problem uh, begins to arise, where he's now, that's where the money is withdrawn from the grocer's account and put into the baker's account, which is now the problem that he has money which he shouldn't have. Which, as Ellen said, means that the in those cases, the truck driver never had control over that money. He just had the uh, whatever it was. Okay. Yuvaldik? Thank so, you. Yeah.